Hi, and welcome to this month's episode of Engineering Greatness, an original podcast series produced by American Concrete Institute. I'm Heather Todak, and I'm a senior associate with Wisjani Elsner Associates located in Los Angeles, California. Uh, with me today is Marisol. Marisol, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Marisol Tsui-Cheng. I'm a senior project engineer for Olson Engineering in our branch office in the DC metro area. Um, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, so I guess let's begin discussing um, a little bit of ourselves and sort of what we do. I know that um, we're both in the area of non-destructive testing. So we'd like to discuss a little bit about that and sort of our journeys that kind of led to that. Um, so I guess I'll start with asking you, Heather, <laughs> um, what inspired you to study civil engineering and uh, what informed your decision on the university where you obtain your bachelor's and your master's degree? Yeah, sure. And and I'm excited to be talking about this with you because our stories, uh, as you'll hear, are kind of intertwined along the way too. So that's kind okay. of fun. But I realized I didn't know too much about your background before that. So it's kind of fun to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but for me and getting into civil engineering, um, I, I was thinking back about this a little bit. And I was one of those people that I think was originally interested in architecture, at least just as a high school student. Um, not so much for, you know, wanting to design huge new buildings and everything like that, but for the purpose of like maintaining and preserving our existing or historic building stock. Uh, I probably wouldn't have said it like that as like a 18 year old, but um, I, I think that's what I really wanted to do to, to work with existing structures and kind of bring them back to life. Um, but it didn't take me long uh, to realize that I'm much more of like a mathy person than an artsy person. Um, and so I don't really know why I thought architecture was the right fit for me originally, but um, it seemed like uh, civil engineering was the appropriate path forward to still engage in what I was interested in, um, but from a, a different kind of more scientific perspective, I guess. Um, and, and really, I think I made that leap when I started to tour for undergraduate schools. Um, so I went to Virginia Tech for undergrad. And I think when I was touring at Virginia Tech um, is when I did a tour for the civil engineering program. And uh, I really liked the breadth of their program, um, which was, uh, you know, you really get to dabble in a lot of different aspects of civil engineering rather than having to pick on one very specific thing to focus on, like right. seismic engineering or something. Yeah. Um, and there were just like tons of opportunities there for internships and exploring career options and things like that. Um, and so I think yeah, starting out at Virginia Tech is, is really what made me take the leap into civil engineering. Well, that's yeah. nice. And Virginia Tech is a big public university. So, of course, it's like fun, fun to be around a lot of people and, and different backgrounds and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I feel like with undergrad, that's like a huge part of it. Right. Like the whole the whole college undergrad experience is like a, a big part of your decision making. So you yeah. want to feel like you're fitting in somewhere and also right. like like you are confident in what career you'll end up with afterwards. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into that decision. So looking back, it was like really, really critical. And, and I feel like the more I think about my undergraduate experience, there are like certain decisions I made along the way 
and not just choosing to go to Virginia Tech, but, um, you know, extracurriculars and stuff that I got involved in there that were probably a lot more influential to my career than I thought they ever would be. Um, so for instance, like, uh, deciding to get involved in concrete canoe, um, I feel like that decision, I don't know, like sophomore year of my undergrad has like completely transformed where I took my career. Mm -hmm. Um, it made me realize I was interested in problem solving. Um, it made me interested in concrete and, and concrete materials and working in a team and things like that. Um, and and now I look around where I'm working now with WJE and so many of us have concrete canoe backgrounds <laughs> that it like, it, it kind of makes sense um, in terms of, you know, people who really enjoy doing problem solving and that's kind of where it starts. Um, but I learned about the company I now work with. So WJE um, pretty early on at Virginia Tech, I think in my second year of the program. And, and sort of latched onto it. Um, I knew they did a lot of work with existing structures and problem solving and a lot of opportunities to be outside of the office in the field. Um, and so I did an internship with WJE after my junior year at Virginia Tech and really just knew I wanted to pursue a career with them. And so um, from then I knew mas my master's degree was the next logical step. Um, and so then started the decision-making for that and everything, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But what was your whole undergraduate journey like? Well, so for me, um, as you know, uh, and our listeners will now know, I'm from originally from San Jose, Costa Rica, uh, in Latin America, above Panama, if that helps anyone. Um, and, you know, as an international student, I, I was looking into schools here in the U.S., and I applied to a couple of schools and I remember going to um, like the college fair where my dad also came with me and he was actually the one that went to the Purdue um, stand and he was like talking about Purdue and all these things and he he grabbed a pen which he still has and he always talks about this pen he's like oh my god do you remember like the pen that I grabbed from Purdue and you went there um, and then once I started applying I got accepted to Purdue and you know, we were talking to different people. And one of the people we talked to was my grandmother from Taiwan. And she heard the name Purdue and was like, it's a great university. Like everyone knows it's like renowned, you know, internationally, she has to go there. So it was a little bit pushing, but at the same time, I think it was the right amount of push, you know, <laughs> um, knowing that it's such a prestigious university, it was, it was easy for me to make that decision. Um, and then sort of going into civil engineering, um, I originally wanted to do environmental engineering because um, I wanted to uh, work more in the area of like sustainability and durability for infrastructure. Um, and it kind of worked out well, I think, because at Purdue, it was like the first year you have just like a regular first year engineering. And that gives you a little bit of time to like figure out which engineering you want to go to and all these things. So you can go to different schools and talk to different people and that kind of stuff. Um, and once I started talking to the to the folks at civil engineering, I realized that it was more of a dynamic um, and more varied curriculum. Like I could learn a little bit about everything and like kind of figure out from there what was like the best fit for me uh, versus environmental engineering, which it seemed a little bit more um, strict into specific things, for example. Um, so, yeah, I think that the the variety of options, I think helped in my decision to, to move into civil engineering. And then, um, and then from there, yeah, I mean, it was, I think my, 
junior year, sophomore year, that I was in concrete materials class with Dr. Weiss. And that's kind of how I was in class. And he was like, hey, I need undergrad students to help in the lab. If you are interested, come and send me an email. And I remember it was like the weekend right after that, that I was like, I like I randomly thought about like, oh yeah, I should totally do that. And so I sent him my email, which I thought was like super casual. I was like, maybe he's not going to contact me. It'll be fine. You know, I'll just do it. Just, you know, to, to keep my options open and just to, to do different things. Um, and then that's when I met you, when you contacted me to uh, work as an undergrad researcher at the lab at Purdue. So from there, I kind of, I rolled into that and kind of leaned into it more and learned a lot through through you and the group and Dr. Weiss. And um, and then for grad school, it was like, you know, senior year, I was already, uh, you know, I worked with you for a bit. And then Dr. Weiss moved to Oregon State, I think, right before my senior year started um, to be the head of civil engineering there. And I remember thinking, OK, well, there he goes, you know. <laughs> um, but then it was like around October, I think of uh, my senior year and I was like scrolling through LinkedIn back when LinkedIn was not cool or not a lot of people <laughs> were on LinkedIn and I remember I saw Dr. Weiss there and I, I think he just like was like one of those profiles that didn't have any pictures or anything so I was like ah he probably doesn't check this and so I connected with him and then like within the hour I got an email from him like hey what are you doing next year what's going on let's talk and so we did and I went out there and yeah the rest is history I guess Nice. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Dr. Weiss was definitely pretty influential for both of our careers yeah. <laughs> and, and brought us together. So that's kind of fun too. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah, it sounds like we both kind of had the same things that we were looking for in an undergraduate curriculum where it's, um, you know, I mean, we were young. You, re- you don't really know exactly what you want to dive into. Yeah so early on. And so I think some people, some people do, right. And they're looking for a very specific program, but um, I think a lot of these bigger universities do start out with like something with a little bit more of a wider net. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of narrow in what you're interested in as you get further into your like educational career or whatever you want to call it. Right. And Um, I think it's, it's also good that I think a lot of universities have opportunities like concrete canoe, and like seismic design and like other things that you can like, you know, try out, see if it's for you and then, you know, give it a chance and then maybe it'll surprise you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so for you, it sounds like it was kind of your coursework that made you interested in concrete materials. Is that, would you say that's correct? And then you kind of jumped in with, with Dr. Weiss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas for me, I feel like it kind of just, I mean, I guess there was a concrete canoe experience that um, really got me interested in like troubleshooting with concrete materials and all. Um, But it probably just kind of happened for me because um, since I went to, you know, Virginia Tech for undergrad and then Purdue for grad school, and I was looking for grad schools, it's, it's, your, your whole perspective kind of changes on what you're looking for, right? Uh, Well, for one thing, it's a lot about where research funding is available. (laughs) And, um, and so that was probably like my biggest focus when I was trying to choose a a graduate university. And, um, and so getting in touch with, with Dr. Weiss at Purdue and realizing that he had a lot of 
really cutting edge research going on mm-hmm. that had funding. <laughs> um, that's kind of how I got interested in like concrete durability. Um, and, and honestly, looking back, it's something I feel like I knew very little about beyond like my intro to concrete materials undergraduate class. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get thrown right into it when you're doing graduate research, right? It's like, yeah. okay, all of a sudden you're expected to really know what you're talking about and just dive into the subject. Um, and so um, for all the listeners, the project that Marisol and I worked on together was a, a research project in the field of uh, concrete freeze thaw studies, uh, which ultimately is not, or at least sounds like it's not incredibly relevant um, for me now that I live in Southern California. Um, but it it gave me, and I'm sure you as well, a really good basis in just understanding concrete on a whole different level. Um, and it also served as sort of a foot in the door for the field of non-destructive testing, um, which I'm I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit next. In fact, do you want to jump into that now, or? Um, sure, we can, we can jump into that right now. Um, but yeah, cool. I, I agree that it's it's definitely like an area that you don't much about, and then once you start learning, it's like, oh my goodness, there's all these things that I didn't know, especially in grad school. I think it was like one of my undergrad professors who you know, when discussing, like, should you go directly into the industry or, or do grad school first? He was like, oh, do it now. Do it now. You learn so much. I learned so much in grad school. It's like the best time to like learn just like, so, like it just so it's so formative. So I'm glad that I took his advice. Lee. <laughs> it's yeah. Good. I don't think I'd be able to go back to grad school after having started a career. Right. It just sounds <laughs> extremely daunting. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what uh, and then the testing is and yeah yeah saying what it is it's probably a good place to start for anybody <laughs> who doesn't know um so we'll probably use the terms uh nde and ndt a lot so that's non-destructive evaluation or non-destructive testing um and really what it means it's just like the application of non-invasive testing methods to determine either concrete properties or evaluate the condition of concrete elements. Um, And NDT can be used on different materials as well, but obviously both of us are more focused on concrete. Um, And so it can be used for like quality assurance and quality control, um, troubleshooting for new construction projects, um, condition evaluation for older constructions, uh, and the list goes on and on. And so for the project that Marisol and I worked on together, the freeze-thaw durability project, um, we used two different NDT techniques. Um, It was acoustic emissions monitoring and also ultrasonic pulse velocity or UPV testing. Um, And what we were doing with that equipment was actually evaluating freeze-thaw related damage in real time. So we were bringing samples of concrete um, through freeze-thaw cycles and physically listening to and watching how the concrete properties change over time as the concrete froze and thawed and um, and resulted in microcracking. And we could really see that happening in real time, which I think kind of reeled us both in. It was kind of exciting yeah, to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so um, I, and I think you as well, kind of just latched on to that aspect of the project. Um, and, and our advisor was super supportive of sort of taking a deeper dive into the world of NDE mm-hmm. uh, through participating in 
kind of conferences all over the place and um, learning more NDT techniques in wor workshop environments and things like that. Um, that was really beyond the scope of our research, but really got to get our feet wet in that practice. Um, and so now at WJE, and I know you at Olson, um, NDE is a huge part of my practice. Um, it's, it's what I go out. It's what I like most about my job. I, I get to go out on job sites and apply these techniques and, um, do problem solving and get to look at data afterwards and kind of figure out what's going on with the structure. So, um, that was that research project and being able to take that, um, path was pretty formative for my career. I think. Yeah. How about you? And mine too. I mean, all of what you said, and also um, and in the concrete class with Dr. Wise in my undergrad, we actually did some labs with uh, with UPV with ultrasonic pulse velocity, and we actually used the same. We we used an Olson NDE 360 with the UPV transducers, which is what I use now for work. And I just think it's kind of crazy that I just used it in lab in school, and then like years later, I joined the same company. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit of, of that, and and also of, of course working. Uh, in the lab with you, doing acoustication um, and UPV um, and resistivity, um, and I agree, it's it's such a interesting, it's such a niche like industry and type of service that it's like you kind of get pulled into so many different applications and and projects. Um, and I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of of NDT and NDE is that um, it's always a little bit different, right? Like it's it, you're not testing the same structure twice ever. Um, and it takes you, you know, uh, at least for both of us, I know that it takes us all over the country to go do projects, interesting projects um, with different people and in different structures and everything. Um, I know for me, I've, I've worked in a lot of really interesting projects. I, I actually got to go once for like two weeks to Hawaii to do just bridge deck scanning with our uh, impact echo scanner. And that was pretty cool. You know, I, I'm not, I think not a lot of people get to say that. They're like, oh, yeah, I went for work two weeks to Hawaii, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but, change in location, uh, well, depending on where the location is, can make a big difference for a project. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, it's like, yeah, you have to go out there, and nothing's perfect, and so you just kind of have to, like, work it out real time, you know? Um, so I think that that's also uh, really interesting and, and keeps it keeps it interesting, keeps it different, you know? It's like, again, it's like you don't have two days that are similar. It's always something a little different. Um, yeah, that that's a good point. Like we use we use a lot of the same equipment, but you're never really applying it in the same way or on the mm -hmm. same structure mm -hmm. or or you're not looking for the same thing. And mm -hmm. so it's like constantly presenting new challenges. Right. Which um, yeah, it does come with its challenges, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk <laughs> about Hawaii and making it sound all lush and everything. Honestly, it's drawbacks for sure but you know yeah it's it's definitely not always the most enjoyable working conditions <laughs> um I mean I've been inside of a lot of tunnels and pipes and water <laughs> treatment plants um but then sometimes it's like really fancy homes in southern California or museums um but I, I think I think what really makes it fun is that um you're just like gaining experience and, and learning these techniques and getting better and better at them and getting to travel and working with other people that have similar interests to solve problems. It's just, it's, it can be fun and present ch new mm -hmm. challenges every day. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What do you think is the biggest challenge with working in this area of NDT? Um, I mean, it's, it's, 
on the newer side, I think in terms of relative to the construction industry, right? Like it's newer technologies that not everyone knows, right? It's not like everyone learns about UPV in school, you know? Um, so it's that, that learning curve of understanding the different tools and what they're capable of and all these different things. I think it's, it's always been a challenge, at least from what I've seen in, in many of the projects that I work on. It's, it's always like, you have to educate and you have to, you know, make sure that everyone's kind of on the same page and there's enough confidence within in the data and what you're saying um, so that people can make decisions. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I've seen. I mean, I've had many conversations with folks that um, I think I was, I remember I was at a conference once and I was uh, demoing our uh, scanner and it's in, uh, rolling impact echo scanner. And this one guy comes up to me and he was like, oh, I know what this is. It's ground penetrating radar. It's GPR. I'm like, no, it's actually impact echo. Like I was trying to be, and he just kept saying, no, it's GPR. I know this is GPR. And I'm like, it's impact tech. It's different. Like, it, you know, and I was trying to tell him like, oh, it's different technologies and it's different equipment altogether. And he just like, no, it's impact. It's, it's GPR. And then he just walked away and I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> so it's, it's not like, I, I think that some people are a little bit more reserved and, and conservative and in, in using NDT. So I think that educating and making sure that everyone kind of has more confidence in it, um, I think is one of the biggest challenges that I've seen. Yeah. How about you? Um, well, jumping off of that, actually, I feel like I feel like I definitely have had that experience before, right? Where um, people just, uh, well, it's it seems like it's like one or the other. Either you need to build the confidence and like really show people that these these are you know tried and true scientific methods and mm -hmm. they can be really effective. Um, but then other people um, kind of just feel like. NTT, it's just complete magic, right? It can, right. It can figure anything out. <laughs> um, and so for, for some projects, I feel like it's a lot about making sure everybody on the project team is aware of the limitations of the techniques right. and, um, and what kind of verification is necessary. Like, you know, this might be non-destructive testing, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have to take a couple of cores to, right. you know, verify and, and, and calibrate and, and really make sure that we're confident in the test results. Right. Um, which by the end, at the end of the day, it's better to take a couple course to verify than to Swiss cheese the entire thing. So yes, you know. exactly. <laughs> We're on the same page. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I, for me, the biggest challenge is that um, you really never know what to expect when you're showing up to a job site, right? Like you can get all the documents to review ahead of time and photos and everything like that. But I feel like on almost every project, there's some sort of troubleshooting to do, right? Like you're constantly having to think on your feet um, and sort of figure it out as you go, whether it's something as simple as or as frustrating as your equipment not working the way that you're expecting it to um, or, you know, access conditions, right? Like, okay, I didn't really think through exactly how the heck I'm going to physically get up there um, and things like that. So it's a lot of like making decisions on the fly. Um, and, and when you're traveling to go to a project, like you really want to try to have those things figured out as much as possible because, you know, you only have what's in your tool bag and, um, the plan that you came with. And so, uh, I feel like it's really important to just be ready to be adaptable and right. try a bunch yeah. of different techniques and mm -hmm. see what works. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. No, co- so no I, cookie cutter solutions. <laughs> no, uh-uh. I think it's like, you have to, I guess the right word would be like diagnose and like pick the right tools to make a adequate diagnosis of, of whatever you're looking at. Um, so yeah, sometimes when I talk to my family members and that kind of stuff, but they don't know anything about concrete. That's kind of what I tell them. It's like, well, I'm trying to, you know, like a doctor tests a person, same, but with concrete. They're like, oh. And it's a lot of the same techniques, <laughs> really. I mean, I feel like doctors get slightly more fancy equipment than we do, but. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have to go to sites with smells and noise and weather. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all in all, I think it's, it's a great place to be. And, and so obviously we're doing very similar things, but for different companies and all, and we have similar paths and everything, but now it's kind of nice because we get to stay connected through ACI. Um, and we get to see each other like twice a year at conventions (laughs) and all. Um, so I wanted to ask you how you first got introduced to ACI or started getting involved. Um, well, so for me, it was back when I was in grad school, it seems like when you're, um, in grad school, especially with Dr. Weiss, it's like, oh, ACI is kind of one of those conferences that everyone attends at some point. Um, so I did, I, I presented um, my first convention in 2017, I believe. Um, and I was super nervous. And it was like, I think it was my first presentation because I've done posters before, but never like a stand up in front of people presentation. And it was like Sunday morning or something like, it was like one of the first sessions. And I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Um, but I got there and, it, you know, it presented, it went well. Um, and then the rest of the convention was great because I got to meet a lot of people. And it felt like an organization that was, like, very engaging and and diverse in a way that, you know, with all the different committees and all the different people that attend, you you can find a place. Everyone can find kind of their spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can go explore different committees and see what's, what's your best fit and where you can contribute the most. Um, so I, I really like that. And now as a professional, um, as you said, you know, we keep going back to convention and, and to the same sort of group of people. And I've, I've met incredible people just by going, but also just uh, reconnecting with with people from from previous conferences or um, mentors from, from grad school or, you know, just friends here and there. What about you? Um, I... I don't think that I attended a convention while I was still in school, um, I, but I did start pretty right away after I started with WJE, um, and and I didn't do a presentation my first time there. That sounds very intimidating. <laughs> like, I feel like the first big professional presentation is always very intimidating, so I'm glad it went well for you, um, but I, I think I, uh, so this is, I, 2016, I think was my first convention. And I kind of just jumped right into um, committee meetings, sort of being a fly on the wall for the first one <laughs> or two, um, uh, but just committees that were involved in my areas of interest. So 228 is the non-destructive testing committee. Um, I joined kind of all of their various subcommittees and then a couple of like concrete repair re- related committees. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I found that like you just kind of have to volunteer, right? Um, yeah. Just raise your hand. Nobody's going to know who you are at first, <laughs> but um, just be willing to put some work in and help develop documents and everything. And um, people notice that, right? Um, and and it goes really far. And so- um, it, does take, it does take time out of your life. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, maybe you have time here and there during work hours, but like, it's like, at least for me, the, the 
the stuff that I've worked on has always been sort of extracurricular. Um, so not everyone goes that extra step, I think, you know? Yeah. But that's definitely acknowledged. Right. And I think, I think that's why volunteering kind of helps you advance in these committees so quickly because it's, it's really acknowledged that, um, you're putting that your personal time into this and you care about it. And, um, and so, and so, yeah, so I've, I've been involved pretty consistently since 2016 and, um, now I'm like a voting member on those committees and, um, and it's kind of see, it's kind of fun to not be a fly on the wall anymore. (laughs) Um, but I also got involved at, uh, in ACI at the local level pretty early on in my career as well. I had some really good mentors in my office who encouraged me to do that. Um, and, and now I'm on the board for our local ACI chapter as well. Um, and I found that that's really nice for being involved in ACI at both levels, um, provides completely different benefits. Right. Um, so at the international level, I feel like it really puts you in the game and on the playing field for, um, your areas of interest. It it gets Mm -hmm. you talking to some of the smartest minds in the industry and, and really gets you in that network, um, and can get you involved in some pretty large scale, big projects. Um, whereas at the local level, it's a lot about sort of networking and and making connections that are nearby to you right. um and and really getting project work out of it which i mm-hmm. think um is is one of the biggest takeaways um, yeah i agree yeah i i've i've been to a couple of my local chapters meetings and it's always interesting because you you do get to know more about like the local players i guess um and know about like local projects and that kind of stuff it's always interesting because it's like oh yeah i drove by that bridge like the other day <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and I think the local stuff is becoming more and more important to me. Um, I'm expecting my first baby in a couple of weeks. And, and so um, all the jumping on, thank you. Uh, But yeah, all the jumping on planes and doing all this testing all around the country, I think is, it's going to be a little bit harder to do um, (laughs) just um, on a moment's notice. Um, And so developing the local contacts and, and sort of developing this NDT practice on a more regional or local basis, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's going to become more and more important to me as I continue on in my career. Um going to miss all of the travel, but um, <laughs> but the, the local stuff will be more important. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll still, it'll still be good, you know, to, yeah. to still be doing NDT, um, even if it's, you know, an hour drives away instead of a couple hours in a plane. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't know if something came up in Hawaii, I'd probably still jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just bring, you just bring your husband, your baby along and you have, there you around. go. There you go. They'll <laughs> love it. <laughs> All righty. Well, congrats. Congrats on the baby. Um, this is a lot of exciting news for the new year. Uh, happy new year. And, uh, on that happy note, uh, thanks again for joining us and thanks to everyone for listening. Um, to this month's episode of Engineering Greatness. Join us each month as ACI brings together uh, pairs of young professionals in the concrete industry to engage in intimate conversations about their life and work. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And for more information on the American Concrete Institute, visit us online at concrete.org. We'll see you next time.